The Fend, brought to you by George's Fine Meats. Yes, hello and welcome to The Fend episode 10. It is great to have your company. This is where you get your fix of footy, fun and a bit of fire. My name is Adam Hawes. I'm joined by Tigers legend who's had a very busy week, Gary Jack. <laughs> Good day, Adam. How are you, mate? Yes, it has been a busy week. A very busy Did week. Did you stirred up the hornet's nest? Yes, the old gold jersey brought back a few people from the dark past that um, struggling with reality. Uh, we also was up the street on the weekend and... Someone said, hey, Jimmy Jack, and it was the bank manager. And the bank manager says, I love the Fend. The Fend, I love listening to the Fend every week. So that's very nice to hear that the public are out there listening and they like, enjoy the show. Yeah, word is spreading like wildfire. There's no doubt about it. What a stunning weekend in Sydney. Uh, very much a touch of spring. You can smell finals. Mm. You could also get a whole lot of pollen. I've had hay fever. So <laughs> forgive me if I'm a bit, a bit yeah. congested at the moment. Yeah, it's that time of year. You can, when it goes from August to September, the semifinals, normally we'd be getting ready you know, for the, for the semi-finals, but it's that time of year, and, it's, and you can certainly smell the difference in the air when it comes about. Yeah, remember those good old days? You'd walk down when all the games were at the SFS. I remember walking through Moore Park, the warm winds blowing. You could smell the waddle. Mm. You just knew the big games were rolling around. Mm, the blue sky above it was mm. a great feeling. Yeah, it's a great time of year. Plenty of big issues to get through. Certainly, we're going to talk to Jimmy about uh, the gold jersey. Furor that he sparked um, last week on the show. Uh, should Benji Marshall retire? That's come up again. What can we expect from Sonny Bill Williams? He makes his return this week. What's the matter, Parramatta? Don't want to talk about that, but we may have to. Can Souths win the comp without Latrell Mitchell? And the greatest tunnel skirmish of all time. Gary Jack was right there in the thick of it. He will recall that wonderful tale. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do so via Twitter at TheFendHJ or on email, TheFendHJ at gmail.com. You can also find us on all the major social media sites. Jimmy, first up, from what you saw in round 16, what teams can go on, or which teams, I should say, can go on and win the premiership? From what you saw on the weekend, did a few fall by the wayside? Did a, f- a few come through? Yeah, certainly. Certainly, South Sydney have to be one of the ones in consideration. Certainly, with their performance on the weekend, yeah, Melbourne is certainly up there. Canberra is certainly up there. Uh, you know, those sort of teams are, are you know, pretty strong, and it'd be hard to see uh, see them getting getting beat. Um, I think uh, also you might come across the the Storm. Obviously, they'll be there as well. Yep. Okay, we're going to talk more about those teams shortly. You've also come up with some very interesting stats about season 2020. Yes, I have got some interesting stats on 2020. Um, would you like me to go now, Adam, or would you yeah. like me to wait till later on? Well, we'll hold them back then. Hold them back. We'll, okay. okay, okay. We'll get the anticipation building. Yes, just a, just a reflection on the year and okay. how, it's, how, the, how the game has changed from what it was over the last 10 years and the last 12 months, how it's a much better product. All right, these better stack up because we're we're all hanging out the for them pr- now. The proof of the pie is in the eating, mate. You, okay. Rooting right. through the roof. All the, the pressure all the is on. Well, one of the premiership contenders you mentioned there, the Roosters, they are certainly flexing their muscles. 58-12 to 12 over the Broncos. They beat them 59-0 earlier in the season. The Broncos will be very glad to see the back of the Chooks. Uh, they've got troops returning to the Roosters. No bigger name this week than Sonny Bill Williams for the grand final rematch against the Raiders. So much focus will be on SBW. It's his first game in the NRL since 2014. Mm. What's a realistic expectation we should have on the Jewel International? Well, I think obviously he's he's a big big game player, and, and there's only you know seven games to go to to the grand final. He's a big match player. He's going to be primed. He's going to make an impact. He really he is. He has to make an impact because they're, they're down on troops. 
So I'd expect Sonny Bill, you know, he's going to be there. He's going to make some big tackles. He's going to lift the side. He's going to lift their morale. And he's going to take, you know, three or four blokes with him every time he runs with the ball and get an offload away. So I think he's going to be more inspirational than a hard worker for, for the side. From the bench? Oh no, I think he'll. I think he'll start. I think he'll start. Yeah. Why would you? Why would you bring him off the bench? You, you he's need thirty-five. Him. So what? So what? He hasn't played for four years. <laughs> You're saying he's fresh. <laughs> oh, he's very fresh. Yeah, absolutely. I don't have him there to start with because he's going to make an impact, and you know straight away. It's like Ellery Hanley when he came back to the Tigers in, in '88. He lifted the side with seven games to go, and what he did to our team, no one else could have done, and we made the grand final. So I think he will have a similar effect for the, for the Roosters. Okay. On the flip side, though, could the Raiders see him as a chance to exploit the Roosters? He, he's been out of the game for a long time. He's not getting any younger. Might they try and attack him, catch him out? Oh Yeah, I'd say they'd probably run a lot of people at him to try and wear him down, especially particularly with the speed of the game at the moment, um, the way that it's conducted. So, yes, they would run a lot of traffic at him to tire him. You know, so it's been four or five years since he's played here, so... Yeah, that, that would be a smart tactic by Ricky Stewart. Yes, yeah, certainly would. Now, the Raiders, they're in form too, by the way. Uh, 34-20 winners over the Bulldogs. They're a bit rusty in the first half. And Canterbury, to their credit, they played very well. But Jack White, gee, he showed his quality. Uh, what a game-breaker he is now. They were battling the Raiders, and he just said, you know what, I'll get us home. And he took that game by the scruff of the neck. He needed to. Some sensational pieces of play. A mm-hmm. couple of tries, and yep. they win. Yeah, he needed to. They were, they were backs against the wall. Uh, it really was a must-win game for them to secure some in that, that top four situation. And when it mattered, Jack White stood up, and that's what Ricky Stewart would be most pleased with, like last week when Papali made that tackle. When it mattered, the Raiders player stood up, and he led by example. And, you know, he's, he's a, certainly a, a star of the game, and, and it helped the Canberra side to win this game, which they had to win. Yeah, they've recovered well, haven't they? They lost Josh Hodgson. A lot of people have ruled them out uh, of being a contender. I, I ruled them out. Yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. you changing your view? Yes, absolutely, yep. They're a real contender. Yeah, they certainly are. They've uh, adapted well to the loss of their uh, champion number nine. Now, the Panthers, wow. Gee, every week we talk about the Panthers because they keep winning. 11 in a row. Who are going to stop them? They crushed the Tigers 30-6 to without Kikau, without Coruscant, and I think the Tigers really rolled their sleeves up, especially in the first half, but they managed to see them off. They play. You, you wonder who's going to stop their run? Will it be the Broncos? <laughs> No, no, not a chance, not a chance. It'll be 12 in a row after this week. Um, yeah, the Tigers, they did start well. Um, yeah, for the first 30 minutes, they, they were in the game up to, up to their necks. Uh, Benji set up a try uh, with a great cross kick uh, for Nofaluma to score, which was a fantastic bit of play. Um, but after that, the Tigers, um, they sort of fell away dramatically. The next, uh, they got to 12 men there just before half time when uh, Dewey was sin-binned and they really struggled the next you know, 50 minutes of the game. Um, they, they, they just seemed to lack creativity. They seemed to lack uh, how to score points. That was what it showed with me. And the Panthers were, well, they're laughing and joking. And, yeah, there's an energy about them, Oh, you can see it. You know, it, it's something that, you know, wow, they really enjoy each other when they play and and that's infectious, and I love watching them play because they just you know, jump on each they're other. Hungry. They're, they're hungry. They're, they're hungry, yep, they are. And and they put the sword to the Tigers without kick out, without a Corusai. Corusai, he wasn't there as well. So it really was a great effort by the Panthers to put the sword to the Tigers after being down 6-0. Yeah, well, Broncos off that heavy defeat to the Roosters. They are at home at Suncorp Stadium, but no one will be tipping Brisbane to win this game. If they made you coach for one week, and that's this week... For the Broncos against the Panthers, what what would you say to the players going into this week's game? 
Um, look, just forget about what's happened over the previous <laughs> six months, the last 17 games. Just forget about it and just go out there and have fun. There, just go and have fun. Really, That's just what, throw the game just plan out. Get out the window, have fun, enjoy yourselves, and I'll see you at halftime. Yeah, throw the throw the ball around, see what happens. Yep, yep, yep. You know, um, take the pressure off off their shoulders, and just enjoy yourselves. Yeah, they have certainly been under a lot of pressure. The Broncos, yeah, yeah. they can't wait for the season to win. They've got to find a new coach, though. Is yeah. it going to be Paul Green or Kevin Walters? Who would you go mm. for? Well, Paul Green, Kevin Walters, or the master coach? He he might be a That's smoky. That's not going to happen. He might he didn't be fall a, for that one. He might be a smoky. The master coach, Kevin Walters, was his assistant there for a, for a couple of years. Paul Greens is a Queenslander and had success at Townsville. Um, I think they may go with Kevy Walters because I think they know what they're going to get. And he knows the Wayne Bennett system. He knows the players. So I think they'll go with him. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of with you. I think Kevy, it's also a PR thing too, I hate to say. Yeah, yeah. They need to uh, bring some love back to the Broncos, especially from a public perspective, because they are right off mm. at the moment. So Kevy would bring that. Well, he, he understands the system. Like, he was there when they won the, the, what, four premierships under Bennett in the 90s. He understands what it's like when Alfie's there. So, you know, to go from a very good player, uh, premiership-winning player, to coach, and he, he has been the state-of-origin coach for the previous you know, three years uh, for Queensland, um, he brings that with him. So, yes, I think it's a much easier transition than bringing in someone new, which failed with uh, poor old Anthony Seabold. And the thing with Paul Green, it's not like he's coming in with a lot of success in recent years. Mm. He's had three very average years mm. in the Cowboys. Mm. That may ultimately count against him. Yeah, and, and listen to Kevy when he talks on the on the radio. He said he's got his phone on and... <laughs> He's waiting for the phone call, but he doesn't think he'll get it. So just the fact he says he doesn't think he'll get it, I think he will. Okay. It certainly would be the biggest upset of the season if the Broncos can beat the Panthers. Uh, did you ever play in a, in a game that was the biggest upset of the season, that either you won or you, you lost, back with the Tigers? Oh, gee wish you put me on the spot here. Uh, yeah. yeah. We, we never beat Parramatta. Any win against Parramatta, was, was a, especially in those early 80s, was, a, was a, against the odds. So... You know, they were the, the, the top side in that era. Um, we beat Canterbury in a, in a well, we almost beat Canterbury in a major semi there. Like that just, doesn't count. We, 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 beat, we beat them up till it was 80 minutes. It was, I think it was 14 all, and they beat us an extra time. But uh, no, there's, there's always upsets, you know, um, particularly in that era. Canterbury and Parramatta were the two gun sides. And if you got a win, it was just any win was a good win. Okay. Well, speaking of Parramatta, we will hear from one of your old, well, Foes, I guess. Mick Cronin used to go up against the Crow. We're going to hear from yeah. him a little bit later on. Okay, very good. Great mm. fellow, Mick. Very good. Gentleman, Mick. Uh, now, Melbourne, they just keep on keeping on. They crushed Manly 30 points to six uh, on the Sunshine Coast. Uh, way too good for the Seagulls, who uh, have um, just hit the wall massively ever since yeah. Tommy Dravojevic mm. went down with injury. Mm. There was a moment in this game, though, Jimmy. Uh, Cameron Smith, he's always been <laughs> he's always been accused of being a referee's pet. They look after him. He is. Yeah, well, there was a moment in this game where I think gave credence to that theory. Jake Travojevic, the game was gone. It was late. Melbourne were going to win. But there was a, Jake Travojevic was trying to play the ball. Cameron Smith just kicked the ball out of his grasp. It was mm. cheeky. It wasn't malicious or anything. It was mm. cheeky. But then he picked the ball up, handed it back to Jake, and the ref said, no mm. worries, play on. Mm. I mean, that sort of stuff, yeah. that can't be allowed. It should have been a penalty. should have been sin bin. 
he should have been sinned been straight away. They, they, he put his arm on Trevorovich's shoulder to push him away to start with, and then his referee said, well, let me, get your hands off me. You can't put your hand when I'm playing the ball. And then as he went to put the ball down, his little left leg came out and kicked the ball out of his hand. I, I watched it, and I've gone, he's just kicked out of Trevorovich's hand. And then he complained. He picked up the ball and gave it to him, and the referee said, well, play on, just play the ball. I mean, that's 10 minutes in the bin every day of the week, a professional foul. You can't get away with it. He's been he's been in charge of games the previous 17 years. He's been the pet of the competition. And good luck to him. He can get away with it. He's better than Wally. He's, he's you know, better than the best of the best is, is Cameron Smith for the way he controls the referees. And Wally was the best I saw. Wally was best? Who, Wally else, was who best. else was up there? Um, oh, look, Turvey Mortimer was a – he could control – all the little fellas tend to get away with it. <laughs> like, Turvey used to get away with it. Little Barbar used to get away with it. And another guy which doesn't get much credit, but Mike Eden, he was a bit of a bit of a pet also. He got away with it too, playing for Manly and uh, he played for Gold Coast as well. Then the, the Roosters as well. So those smaller guys, in Alfie, oh, Alfie wouldn't hurt him. Alfie would kill you. He'd, he'd cumble and throw you and take you over and break your leg, Alfie. That's how dangerous he was. But the little fellas tend to get away with it. <laughs> oh, discrimination. We love it. Uh, now, South's five in a row. They are building nicely. 38-0 over Parramatta at Bankwest Stadium. Who saw that scoreline coming? But Latrell Mitchell, he's out for the season, and he was just hitting top form, I think. So this is this is bad news for South. What are you laughing at? What are you nothing got, funny about What are you this. talking about Latrell Mitchell for? What about the game? Well, well, uh, we all know what happened. South thrashed the Eels. Let's, let's throw it forward a little bit. Let's talk about the injury and the impact it's going to have on South City's chances. <laughs> oh, gee whiz. All right, we'll, we'll come back to Parramatta. We'll, we'll come back okay. to what happened. We'll come back to that. Just answer what the question. The six try thumping that they got. Seven tries. Seven tries. It was just six in the paper. <laughs> to South Sydney. It was, uh, and, but it was South Sydney's first win against a top four side. And that top was, eights? Well, they beat Cronulla, didn't they? Yes, yeah, that's yeah. right. So that's significant for the for the Bunnies. And are the Bunnies hit, coming into form at the right time? I think they are. On the back of their win over Manly last week, uh, absolutely give it to, to Parramatta, Parramatta. But I must say that one thing I did notice about the game on, on the weekend, you can correct me, but there were no milking penalties by Parramatta. They didn't milk it the week before. There were no penalties for crusher tackles at all during the game. You know, I, I didn't see one across the whole weekend. I think. I think I might have seen one. One, and it was an, it was definitely a crusher. It was almost like the players made a pact to hey, Look let's just cut, let's just cut out all this carry on in terms of milking penalties. Let's just get mm. on with it because we don't want to become like football where players are just diving for penalties. Mm. It's yeah. ruining the fabric of the game. Yeah, I think they really did. Uh, they, they packed it together. You're right about that, mate. And you could see it in the way they played. Um, but Parramatta just struggled to get out of their own half with the ball because normally they'd flip-flop and get a penalty, but they didn't know what to do. And you must say that South Sydney absolutely attacked them on their right-hand side or the left-hand side for, for the Bunnies and tore shreds of them, uh, t- turned them inside out. Poor Blake Green and uh, Wanker Wank, Blake. Uh, Blake Green, he's... He's not there. Well, He's with Newcastle. Blake Ferguson, sorry. Blake Ferguson. <laughs> On that side, they'd be having nightmares. And Fergo still hasn't scored a try for the year. Well, yeah. Well, look, just on South, I think uh, time will tell this weekend uh, when they play the Storm. That's going to be a, a huge test to yep. see where they are at because Parramatta were nowhere near their best. They look like a tired team. They look like a team that needs yeah. a break, a freshen up. And uh, right from the word go, they just were not in that contest at all. Yeah. And uh, did well to keep it below 50, to be honest, because South were toying with them at times. Where do you think it's gone wrong for Para in the, in the last month or so? Good question. 
I think that um, when they were going well, I think when Dylan Brown, Dylan Brown was running the show, um, and I think I think with Moses there, I don't think the two were gelling very well together. Um, Moses, I don't know when the big moments come. You just you don't see him, and that's that's when it's only going to come even more and more as the weeks go down towards the, the main the main games of the year. He's there, you know, to to inspire the teams, give the team leadership, and when you get thumped by thirty eight points to nil, there's no there's nothing there. So I think. There's a problem there. I, I think Brown's going to be out for a couple of weeks with his ankle. Longer. Even even longer. I think they're forwards now. They used to flop the ball back, and now they're, they're obviously taking the tackles now. I just think they're, they're, their leadership of their key players, Gutherson, Moses, um, yeah, th- those key guys, it's, they're under pressure, and it, it doesn't look good for them. Sometimes, well, Paramount has been praised for keeping the same team together all year. Thankfully, not too many injuries. But I sometimes think that can work against you because the players have been out there, the same players have been out there every game, every week, right. and they just look tired. Whereas the Roosters, for example, have had all these players suffer injuries. They go off, they have a few weeks off, they come back, they're fresh, raring to go, and you can see the Roosters' performances picking up. They're going to another level right now, where Parramatta's going the other way. They look like a team in need of a break. Thankfully, they do have 10 days off between the loss to Souths and the game against the Warriors, so that could really mm. help them out. The only positive, and it's, this is going to sound really strange, but losing 38-0 against Souths could actually work in their favour. If they lost 16-12 to Souths, then maybe nothing gets done. But 38 nearly is such a wake-up call for the Eels players that they will say, right, we need to we need to turn things around here. We've got a great opportunity. We are still running third with a 12-4 and four record. We're there. We just need to get back to what was doing wonders for us at the start of the year. And hopefully they can do that against the Warriors. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And the best thing they can probably do, in all honesty, is, is forget about last week, throw it out, doesn't exist, and just to start with a clean slate the next game. That's the best thing they can do. Um, you know, everyone has a bad day, and this was their bad day. Because it was a strange, yeah, Jimmy, it was a strange, it was just a strange atmosphere at Bankworth the other night because Parramatta have they've won most of their games at Bankworth, but even the yeah. ones they've lost, it's been close. Yeah. This one was a complete blowout. The fans yeah. didn't know what was going on. Yeah. They booed the players off at halftime. Did they? Yeah. And at full time. Halftime, it was 22 to nil. Mm. I was actually hoping for uh, history to repeat because way back in 1987, Parramatta were down 22 nil against Canberra and, and they got booed off the field. That's the first time as a young bloke I'd ever heard mm. the fans boo off the Eels. But they came back that day to win. Bobby Linder was inspirational. 30-22, to 22, they beat the Raiders, but there was no comeback yeah. uh, against the Rabbitohs. I think that maybe Parramatta have had... Look, they've played a lot of games at Bankwest Stadium, so they've had a lot of home games. And I think maybe there's that little bit of comfort level that we're okay, you know, we're travelling better than what they actually were. You know, they only just beat, you know, the Storm 14-0 last week. And the Storm had, you know, Pappenhausen, the two Camerons are out. They were really down on troops. So it wasn't a very convincing win last week. So I think they're, for the last few weeks they've, they've, they've won, but they were lucky to win. So this is a real wake-up call. Um, they need they need to focus with only uh, with six weeks to go. So it couldn't have come at probably a better, better time for them. Yeah, well, Eels fans are certainly getting very nervous. Uh, I bumped into uh, Eels legend Mick Cronin. Oh, right, the earlier, Ron. Yeah, to get his thoughts, he was he, what he had to say. Mick Cronin, thanks very much for joining us on the Fend. Uh, let's talk about uh, the Eels. Thirty-eight nil loss to South Sydney last week. How do they get their campaign back on track? Oh, look. If I knew that, I'd be coaching. But it's funny. I had this, someone else asked me the same question. At the end of 83, our last game, Parramatta, we got beaten 32-2 by St. George. 
and then we got a bit of a touch-up in the semi-final from Manly. So I think it's it's a matter of you got to have faith in yourself, and you got to get you got to remember what work and gets back to it. I mean, from Parramatta's point of view, they've lost four games out of 16, which is very good in this in what's been happening in this season. So I think they've got to remember what they've got there, but. I suppose from our, the difference between us, we'd probably won a couple of comps where these blokes are trying to win a comp. And it's not it's easy to say, you know, you've got to get, remember what got you there, but you've got to, you've really got to just forget about that. You've just got to, you know, if you, if you start worrying about that, things won't improve. The power of fans, they've got their hopes up. Do you tell them, keep the faith? Oh, they've been keeping the faith for a long while, the power of fans. So, but, you know, yeah, we, one thing about fans, they're all critics, but I'm... I haven't played and known I've had plenty of bad games. I'm not going to judge them on one bad game. I'm prepared to, you know, but they're the only ones who can turn it around. And I think the coach knows that. And I'd, I'd like to think we'll see a different Paris matter side over the next month. My co-host, uh, Gary Jack, you may have heard of him, played a bit back in the 80s. Uh, he says he chased you at Belmore uh, when you were playing for Parramatta against Balmain. He, he couldn't quite catch you. You were too quick for him. Do you remember that moment? I don't remember being too quick for anyone. Gary must have had his heavy boots on. But I actually do remember scoring a try against Balmain where Gary might have been chasing. Yeah, he, must have, he must have had a problem that day. How was he as a player? How would you rate Jimmy Jack? Oh, I think his, his history in the game will tell the story. You know, he was a... Well, he could attack and defend and, and could catch the football. There's not much more you can ask to a fullback. He wanted to be an eel, you know. And, oh... He's a Western Suburbs boy from Wollongong. They all, they all seem to head to either Manly or Balmain. <laughs> well, Mick, uh, thanks for having a chat to us and all the best. No trouble. Thank you. So there he is, uh, Mick Cronin. He said you must have had your heavy boots on chasing him down. Or are you, you going to tell me he was quicker than he looked? No, I had my high caps on. I just remembered. Yeah, I had my high caps. And I was coming back from a hamstring injury that, too that day. So <laughs> <laughs> he was lucky to get there. Well, he, but was, he was a great player. Mm. He was one of the greatest players I've ever played against. You know, I'd say uh, Steve Rogers, fantastic player. Mick Cronin, same level um, as 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 players that that you know, as a boy growing up, those are the guys players you looked up to as inspiration. And so it was great to play against Mick and play against Steve Rogers as well. What was his strength? Because you wouldn't say the crow was was blindingly fast, or he had a or he had a lightning sidestep. No. What what made him a great player? Uh, he had a great fend, and he had a great footy brain. He was always thinking offload. You know, give it to someone else to better position. He would strip the ball when you wouldn't think he'd just strip a ball and, and crap it for his team, as well as being a champion goal kicker. So he was, you know, he was uh, good at all assets of the game. A very good ball and all tackler because he come in for plenty of attention. Everyone used to come in and, and hit him hard and put him on the ground. But he never complained. He just got up, played the game. You know, never did, never. I don't think he ever threw a punch in his career, um, and was just totally respected by all players. Yep, yep. And uh, another guy who is respected by all players, Benji Marshall. Again, headlines about whether he should hang up the boots. He's thirty-five. Mm. Against the Panthers, he had just two runs for four meters. Oh, wow! Um, but he did set up that first try, which is a lovely kick for North Luma. What do you think? Should he retire gracefully? Or, or, or plug away for another year. Yeah, look, it's, it's a tough one. Um, it might not be what Benji wants to hear, but it may be a decision that the club's going to have to make going forward. They need a halfback or a playmaker in the team. You can't rest your whole season on a 35-year-old. You really need to um, to think ahead outside the square. Brooks has to be the halfback. They've invested a lot of time, a lot of money in Brooks 
to, to be in the side. He's gone quiet. Somehow, Michael Maguire needs to unlock Luke Brooks and find that player that's there that needs to come out and lead the team. If we can do that, possibly, you know, Josh Reynolds is there. He's signed up for another couple of years. If he can play 5-8 and Brooks can be the halfback to lead the team around, we can get a combination there. We've also got uh, Moses M by there, who's probably a halves player playing centre. He's out of position. You've got young Billy Walters coming back for next year. He's out this year with a broken leg. So there's some there's some options there for the halves. We need to fix that position up. I think this might be Benji's last year. I really do. I think it's it's it. I don't think it'll be his call. I think it'll be the club's call. What they what they're going to do with him. Um, I think he's been a fantastic player. But as we all know, it's 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 out of your hands when when the club makes a call for you to retire. Um, there's not much you can do about it. So. It'd be very sad if that did happen. He's, you know, he's given his heart and soul to the club. I think they need to find another front rower as well. Packers, you know, not not doing it for us. And they need to find another hooker. We saw what ha- what impact Harry Grant had um, in his short stint with us this year. Those key positions they need to shore up for next year if they're going to be a threat. Whatever they do, the Tigers, they have to do it respectfully because Benji Marshall, he's a premiership winner. He's, he is the face of the West Tigers. If you ask anyone yeah. about West yeah. Tigers, yeah. it's Benji Marshall. Yep. So we can't have this messy Robbie Farrer type scenario when he left the club, went to South and he came back. It's, it's got to be done cleanly for Benji because uh, he deserves it. Yeah, he does. He deserves it. Uh, my, my kids, when they were growing up, you know, we're talking 50, we were there in 2005 when they won the premiership. The whole family went along there and uh, and they used to pretend they were Benji Marshall. They were probably 16 and 14. They both played, all played rugby league at the Benji step, and he's been such a, had such an impact on all these kids, yeah, um, whether they play rugby league or Aussie rules. Um, and, it, you know, I, I have so much admiration and respect for him as a player. It's it's sad when we come to the end of our career, and you know, can you, we only run four metres in a game, and he's still got the brain, but it's he missed he did miss a couple of really critical tackles there too on the weekend, which led to tries and um, it happens to all of us. Yeah, and he's being targeted, no doubt about it. No doubt. Now, Jimmy, you um poked the bear, I guess you could say, uh, through the week with your calls for the gold jersey to be restored to the West Tigers team for Leichhardt Oval Games. Bring back that Bowmain spirit that's been lacking. Yeah, that, that's right. You know, um, these these two, the West Tigers were formed out of you know the West Suburbs Magpies and the Balmain Tigers coming together, and I just felt certainly over the last few years that Balmain side has been ignored. Yeah, it's irrelevant, you know. Well, why should the Balmain supporters be penalised because of what a board decision ten years ago, which unfortunately put the Balmain situation and the merger at, at risk, you know? But the poor old Balmain supporters, they go to like I'd able to see the, the team play in in the gold strip, not to see the team play in the black strip. So I thought I spoke out, and I thought, well, it, it needs to be addressed, and I'm glad I did. Yeah, and you got lots of support, lots of people, lot, lots of support. That's right. You know what? what because what does a team stand for? You know, you, you've got you, about what do Balmain stand for? Well, Balmain stood for a team that you know it was going to be a hard day when you played the Tigers at Leichhardt Oval in the eighties and the nineties. You know it was always going to be a tough game, and that Tiger spirit and that Tiger colours—it's it, that's what the, the, the West Tigers should be calling on. You know, you know, West didn't have such a great time in the eighties and nineties. It wasn't too much of a you know, a great era for them, but certainly the Tigers were, were at their premium in their game, and as a player. For the for the West Tigers, I want to draw on that strength 
and, and that tradition and that colour of the, of the Balmain gold with the black V and the tiger on my heart, I want to draw on that strength when I'm playing and I just feel that it's it's missing. Um, it's just not giving enough attention to, to their history. And conversely, the opposition, when they come to Leichhardt Oval and they see 13 gold jumpers out there, yeah. they know it's game on. It's it, game on, that's right. That, that's the that's the main legacy. It's the main legacy, yeah. yeah. I just feel that side of the... Of the mergers missing, and it should it shouldn't be missing because yeah, it, it's it's a, it's a great culture. The Balmain were a great side there for for eighties and nineties, and it shouldn't be lost. But the Balmain and West Tigers were almost unbeatable at Leichhardt. Whenever they went back to Leichhardt, yeah, they were such a better team. But not now, not yeah. now. They're, no. they're just getting walked over at Leichhardt. That's exactly right. It means it's nothing when they come to Leichhardt. Whereas before, it didn't matter where the Tigers were coming, they were always going to going to take you apart in front of the home crowd, and you knew you were in for a tough day. Well, episode 10 is brought to you by George's Fine Meats. A tenderness and flavour not seen in any other Wagyu like it on the market. It is the best eating Wagyu in the world. George's Meats celebrates 30 years this year of service, consistency and quality and its commitment to its community. And guess what? You can get 10% off your next order with George's Fine Meats by just giving them the code word. And Jimmy kindly is going to let us know what the code word is for this week. The code word for this week, guys, is SBW. Sonny Bill Williams, but it's going to be SBW. SBW. That is the key, yeah. To get your 10% off, additional 10% off at George's Fine Meats. Yeah, great to see him back in the NRL and great for you to get down to George's Fine Meats. It is very tasty stuff. Now, the Sharks, they continue to... Build for the finals, even though they missing uh, they missed three frontline halves on the weekend. Townsend, Johnson, and Moylan they still thumped North Queensland twenty eight to twelve. The game never really hit any great heights. So let's just talk about one moment in particular, Jimmy. It was in uh, at the halftime in the tunnel there at Jubilee Stadium. Uh, Mulatalo and Maguire they had a bit of a skirmish, and then Andrew Fafita, as you'd expect, came flying mm. in, and it threatened to get pretty ugly. Mm. Thankfully, things calmed down. They all went into the sheds. Mm. It brought back memories. It brought back memories of 1985, <laughs> the first test against the Kiwis at Lang Park. Uh, Greg Dowling and Kevin Tomati both sin-binned, mm. but when they went off, they weren't done with. Oh, no. No, back in those days, it was a, it was a philosophy of... Of uh, if, if one in all in that was that was our philosophy and we had to protect your mates and Dowling and uh, Tammany both got sent off and they're walking off together and, and I think uh, Dowling may have said something to Tammany which said Tammany didn't like he took offence to and and then he shrugged his arm back and hit GD in the shoulder and GD didn't like being hit in the shoulder old old dishead that's his nickname old dishead so he's give him a gob full back again and then well Tammany you know he's he was I think he might have been the heavyweight boxing champion of, of New Zealand, and he's a very proud man. He didn't, he didn't like it, and he's, he's turned and lashed out, and it was on for young and old. Where it happened at Lang Park, just as at the entrance there, the crowd actually, the crowd around the two players, you can see them when they're fighting. They must have, they were headbutting and hammer and tong, and they'll, it was, it was on for about 30 seconds. And the players started to rush, and, and I was the closest player to it, and I could see it just escalate. And Oh, look, if one in, all in, well, all, and I went, nah, nah, I'm not running there. There's no way in the world. GD started it. Well, GD can finish it was my philosophy. <laughs> I wasn't going anywhere near Tammany, and they were headbutting each other, and, and then Tammany's hit him, and, and uh, GD, he's, he's dropped a bit to his knees. He's in the gutter. He's in the gutter, yeah, he's in the gutter. And it was just like a real street, street ball, and I was like, wow, like it was luckily... I think the police did step in and they, and they pulled them apart at the end. 
Um, and both players walked away. Uh, but it was one of those moments where it just erupted and you're right there and it was just like an old-fashioned brawl and, geez, it was it was scary. It was scary to see two blokes just going to headbutton and at whatever um, for, you know, for 10, 20 seconds. The atmosphere in the game after that must have been explosive. Yeah, it was. It was, it, it was building up to it and they were – both sides were giving it to each other. Um, the two front rowers squared off, and uh, you could just the, the uh, actually actually I think it, it it boiled over. But then I think players sort of pulled back after that's so, all. You know, we, we can't we can't have this again. It's no it's no good for the game. Yes. Um, yeah, it was. But it was one of those moments where you just go, well, <laughs> wow, I, I was there. It's like you know, it, it, state of origin. Except it, it was it was it was fifteen fifteen meters from me when it happened, and uh, and it's something I'll always remember. And you weren't going to close the gap that 15 metres. Nah, nah. Wally, look, you can go in and say Wally or Gene, you can go in, but I'm not. I'm just going to watch. It has been replayed many times, that fight. And advice for for Dishead Dowling in future is don't pick out the New Zealand heavyweight champion. Nah, nah, don't. And and Tamad actually, he does speak about it in that day. And I know he said, I didn't realise, but he did say something to him which was offensive and, and, uh, and you know that's what can happen. It's a very, it's a very tough game. One on one front rowers versus each other. You know front rowers in those days you could throw punches at, but uh, and throw punches, head butts, anything. Well, that, well, let's yeah. What would they both get suspension wise now? They would both probably get oh, six, probably, six, eight weeks. Probably get life. <laughs> so there was never any threat of that happening in the tunnel at Jubilee Stadium. It was just a just handbags. Yeah, push that, and jump. yeah, that was a bit of pushing argy yeah. bargy from from you know, ten ten paces. And after that, uh, the Cowboys went on to lose their ninth straight game. That is their worst losing streak since two thousand and eight, twenty fifteen, with JT. That seems mm. centuries ago. For the Cowboys, they've got under the radar, I guess, their form woes because of all the focus on Brisbane. But, gee, they are badly. Yeah. They could easily end up with a spoon. They could easily end up losing the next four games to make it 13 losses in a row. And, uh, you know, that would be their, their worst season, I think, since they've been in the competition. Well, they play the Dragons this week. You'd have to give them a chance of winning that because, gee whiz, although Parramatta fans are winning this week, what about if you're a Dragons fan? They had everything to play for against the Gold Coast Titans, who, with all due respect to the Titans, they're not the heavyweights of the competition. They came down to Jubilee Stadium with nothing really to play for, and they were down 10-4 with five to go, and the Dragons just couldn't hang on. Mm. I mean, they had everything to play for, mm. and the Gold Coast scored two tries to win the game. Uh, yeah, certainly uh, Corey Norman was the problem there in that second half. They had plenty of opportunity to score points, uh, but they blew it. You know, they had the game wrapped up. They were playing for a potentially a top eight spot. And, uh, you know, he, he was at fault there, big fault, that they didn't convert any of those opportunities. And they got beaten in the last five minutes with two tries. So, But we've always said the Titans are a good side. They do complete their sets. And, you know, they're, they're sneaky good. And they got under the radar and got a, a great win for them. Speaking of great wins, the Warriors, 36-6 to over Newcastle in Tamworth. They took the game there as a tribute to Tamworth, who took them in at the start of the whole COVID saga. Mm. Pandemic, they, they housed them there when they came across from New Zealand, so they felt a debt to them. And, gee, they turned it on for the locals, 36-6 over Newcastle. They're playing a really attractive round of footy under Todd Payton. It's hard to believe, but they were a rabble a couple of months ago. If you were playing yeah. the Warriors, you thought, oh, yeah. well, there's a win. Yeah. I actually felt sorry for them at certain stages, yeah. but, but not anymore because as an Eels fan, I'm, re- I'm really worried about them this week because they play against Parramatta on Sunday. Yeah. Well, it certainly justifies the sacking of Steve, Stephen Kearney there a few weeks ago and Todd Payton coming into the team. And what he's done with his team is quite miraculous, really. They, they've always got a high completion rate. It's about 85 90%. You know, they just keep grinding away and grinding away. Uh, some, some stars for the side, but Tahu Harris, he set up two tries. Mm. Uh, Harris, uh, Chanel Harris, Tavika, 
Uh, he had a great kicking game, and I think they trapped them three or four times inside their own 22, inside their own in goal area, sorry. And Newcastle had no answer. This is the game that Newcastle, they thought they were going to win, but they really let themselves down with that want and desire to, 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 to close the game out. No team can sort of defend for more than probably three or four sets from their own try line. And then George Jennings got in for a try. RTS, well, RTS, Roger Tumavasa, Sheck, he stepped Mitchell Pearce twice for critical tries. And Mitchell's the captain. I mean, Mitchell, you can blame the team, but just look at himself. He missed those two one-on-one tackles, which was critical for them to make, you know, into the top six uh, at a time of the game, which which cost them the game. So, mm. you know, they can look back at, at the game as a huge opportunity that they let slip by, but full credit um, to the to the Warriors for how they played, how they played under Todd Payton. Yeah, there's a chance for them to really push for the top four, Newcastle, and they would have been budgeting on winning that game. So that's a, that's a huge blow for them, uh, 36 points to six. I'll tell you who needs a wrap for the Warriors, Peter Hiku. He's always had oodles of talent, but I've always wondered about his application and commitment. But, geez, the last couple of months for the Warriors, he has been yeah. simply outstanding, so dangerous. Yeah, but, but that's what good coaches do, Adam. They're good coaches, not just about tactics, it's about unlocking the best in your players. And obviously, Todd Payton has got that skill. You can see by what he's done in that short time he's been there. So that's the mark of a good coach, not so much tactics. Wayne Bennett, you know, he's a great man manager too. So, you know, that sort of coach is, is more, more I think, becoming more prevalent rather than a tactical coach. You'd be able to make players to become better players. Craig Bellamy, another case in point. Yep, well, uh, the Knights, they've also uh, they got the Sharks this week. That's a crucial game. There's some amazing games this weekend, and uh, that's a massive one. Knights versus the Sharks. Uh, the Knights could drop back to eighth with a loss there, and then they've got the Warriors snapping at their heels. Yeah. So suddenly they're in a little bit of strife. All right, now it is time to come to that uh, intriguing part of the podcast, Jimmy. That is the statistics you have uncovered. Now, you did build these up, so they better be worth the wait. Yeah, look, I come across statistics from round 13 of the competition, the knock-on effect of the six-again rule. There's 232 fewer penalties than last year. Most of these were from, from ruck infringements. The average is 3.2 less penalties per game. Did you say 233 fewer penalties? Than last year, correct. Wow. That's what I said. The ball is in play an extra two minutes and 16 seconds. Mm. There's more action, which has increased from 54 minutes and 16 seconds to 56 minutes and 32 seconds. So there's more action on the play. The ball in play, uh, more, more tackles, more run metres. And, and these are all escalating since the, since the resumption of the season. Uh, the six again and the single referee have resulted in an extra try per game. Half a try per game, I do it to say. An average of 7.1 tries per game. Most rule changes happened in November, which allowed teams a full three months to prepare for it. This For this rule change, they only had 10 days to prepare for it uh, when, the, when the lockdown was on. Uh, this this year, they can't enjoy a bye. Uh, some some days that they travel, uh, they don't receive as much rehab as what they normally do post-match because they have to travel in the same day, which means more injuries for players. The captain's challenge has added another three minutes and 16 seconds to the game, and I think the captain's challenge has been fantastic this year. Average game time lasts for 96 minutes and eight seconds, um, and uh, you would say that there's a, teams that can't tackle or have a defensive problem get exploited and their weaknesses become so evident because of the six again. And this has made the game a much better product to watch. Peter Volandis has done a fantastic job 
uh, with this real change. The, the spin-off effect has made the game so much more enjoyable to watch and so much more enjoyable for the spectators, and it's, it looks a much better game. It's faster. It's, it's faster. so much faster. The league was getting bogged down there, wasn't it? All the wrestling. It's instinctive. I've heard, yeah, I've heard a few people say, oh, yeah, but these six agains, they're just... They're so random, you don't know what for the referee's thinking. What I say to those people is, if, if they don't give the six again, you know what it is? It's a penalty, yep. and then everything that comes with the penalty, which is a delay in play, kick to the sideline. Get your breath back. Get your breath back. It's all that. Whereas six yep. again, yep. you just keep going and going yep. and going. The game it's a gets test of it's, endurance. It's getting its flow back. Yeah. The only drawback so far is the blowout results. We've seen... Probably an increase in that, and I, but I'm sure as players and coaches get used to the the six again rule mm. in 2021, we'll, mm. we'll see those blowouts decrease. Yeah, that's right. And as they only had ten days to prepare for it, it's not just the six again; it's also the single referee, which has also increased the speed of the game. There's no conjecture between the three of them. It's just it's just make a decision, and the referee makes a call. So those and and those those deficiencies of, of teams that can't tackle, they really get exacerbated. Because they've got to tackle, they might have to tackle up to 20 times on their own try line. And no team can, can you know, surrender their try line for, for 20 defensive tackles. So it, it, that's why there's the blowouts. But look, it's, it's more instinctive. I do enjoy watching the game and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been a great thing for the, for the rugby league. All right, it is time for Fend at the End. This is where Jimmy just gets a few things off his chest, something that might have bugged him over the weekend. I think last week it was the uh, crusher tackle milking of penalties. Yep. What is it this week? Well, look, I did notice on the weekend, and I must have seen it three or four times here, where players were tackled and they were picked up and they were dragged another 10 metres over the sideline. It's been becoming more and more evident in the game. And I thought, well, look, when's a player held? You know, there's no need to drag them that 10 metres and the referees are letting them get away with it. So the referees have got to say, stop. Once once you've picked them up off the ground, you can't keep carrying another 50 yards or 10 yards. It's play the ball. So that's what upset me. Anytime a player comes within 10 minutes of the sideline, players are trained now to stop them hitting the ground yep. so they can lift them up and then just cart them over. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not on. You know, when, When's your momentum stopped? Yeah. It's been coming into the game the last couple of weeks and referees need to put put a stop to it. Um, you know, it's, it's a part of the game which... Which it, it takes away from the game. Yep. Well said. Well, that is full time for episode 10. Jimmy, uh, Thanks, great work. I think you've stayed out of trouble this week. <laughs> oh, I'll sure I'll be in trouble again this week somewhere. <laughs> uh, that's for sure. Um, yeah, it's been great fun, mate. I'm looking forward to having a chat with you next week about uh, the, the footy. Yeah, yeah. Be plenty of uh, big issues as we motor towards the finals. Uh, thanks very much for listening to episode 10, brought to you by George's Fine Meats. If you have any feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Twitter at TheFendHJ, or you can get us via email at TheFendHJ at gmail.com. So thanks for listening. Stay safe, and most importantly, enjoy the food.